if you would like to join us, so we're reading Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52, and it's on page 993 of the Pew Bible. The boy Jesus at the temple. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and men. Well, I must say it is good to be back. And uh, how blessed were we yesterday with a clear sky. We had two and a half weeks of um, clear Tasmanian sky and uh, that was lovely. I even went snorkelling twice in freezing, freezing. Did I say freezing? It was freezing water but lovely times with family. So uh, thank you very much for uh, granting us that time of uh, rest and relaxation and time with family. It's uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a real blessing. I I wanted to add my welcome to everyone this morning, um, particularly if you're visiting with us. Please make sure you stay for a cuppa afterwards. Just uh, head out the doors and to the right and uh, we'll be having some morning tea. This morning I've titled my, my message as we begin a new series in Luke, I've titled my message The Stress, Source and Solution to Anxiety as we look at this passage in Luke. And I'm not sure if you, you probably have heard but uh, I actually get terrible motion sickness and have ever since I was, I can remember. You know, basically, it doesn't matter if I'm in a car, in a bus, a plane, a train. If it moves, I will throw up on it. When I was about six years old, we lived in the Hills District of Sydney. As um, My dad went to Bible college at the Church of Christ, theological college there. Um, In the last year of his studies, to get some more practical ministry experience, you get farmed out to a church. And so his uh, appointment was to Katoomba Church of Christ. Now, I'm not sure if you know where Katoomba is, but it's an hour and a half up a mountain. And so, being the youngest child, it wasn't like they could leave me at home as a six-year-old or thereabouts, could they? Travelling up this mountain, an hour and a half every Sunday morning, it was, let's just say, not something I ever looked forward to. I actually dreaded it because every Sunday morning, 
I would spew. I won't go into details, but it, it happened weekly, right? And I'd get to church feeling rubbish and then I'd get out of the car and I'd, I'd, I'd bounce back fairly quickly at that point in time of my life, which was really good. And I, I'd then say to mum, I'm hungry. <laughs> and so I'd have two breakfasts every Sunday, one before that I'd lose in the car and one when I got there. You know, years later, mum said to me, you know what, if you ever had a said to me, look, if it's too much, I'll stay home with you. I, we would have done that. I said, but you never gave that to me as an option. As a six-year-old, we always go to church on Sunday and church for a year is in Katoomba, so I've just got to lump it or leave it. So that was my life for an entire year. I dreaded Sundays and, and the stress of, of, you know, just like plucking up the courage to get in that car. Now, you'd think that some of these things you grow out of, but, but I don't... I have not grown out of motion sickness. In fact, it's got worse as I've got older. Uh, in 2001, uh, I went on a trip to Europe, actually, with a concert band. And Kelly was a member of that concert band and that's basically how we met. And uh, on the way over there, our flight from Kuala Lumpur to Vienna was... Uh, oh, sorry, from, from, from Melbourne to Kuala Lumpur was fine. That was, that was all good. But then from Kuala Lumpur to Vienna, things took a turn for the worst and I started throwing up and well I really didn't stop until I got to Vienna and I'd, I'd basically I'd wake up, I would vomit, I would then ding, hand a bag over, get a replacement and try and go back to sleep at which point I'd then wake up, vomit, ding, hand the bag over. This occurred, I think I lost count around 17 times. We got to Vienna and uh, I was absolutely wrecked and just stayed in our accommodation for that night while the entire band went and did a sightseeing tour of Vienna. So I've got, I couldn't tell you what Vienna looks like, but I can tell you what my hotel bed looks like as I was flat out just trying to recover. On our honeymoon, Kelly and I had a great time on Brampton Island. That is actually a picture of Brampton Island and there's two islands. Carlisle Island is on the left, on the other side of this channel, and uh, it's a, nat a, a reserved nat nature park island, and then Brampton Island is where this resort is. And the tidal difference in Mackay and the surrounding areas where this is, is just around five metres a day. There's a massive tide difference. And so what would actually form is a sandbar would form between these two islands, and it would trap a whole bunch of fish in a fishbowl. So beautiful, beautiful sailing. We did that and got sunburnt to a crisp the first day we were there. Beautiful, you know, being from Tasmania, the sun. What? What is this that we call the sun? And then, uh, yeah, snorkeling was was delightful. But on the way back, uh, we had brilliant weather, hot weather. But on the way back, the day we were going to leave, a storm came up. Now, the hour boat trip on the way over there was lovely. It was just gentle, nice, all these myriads of blue butterflies flying everywhere in the sky, across water and everything. It was just amazing. But the way back was very different. It was so rough, this hour trip, that Kelly had to have her feet plastered against the seats in front of her on this boat so she wouldn't fall out of her seat. I, however, lasted all of... 15 minutes before I then spent the next 45 minutes at the back of this boat hurling into a bag the whole time. So then we got to Mackay. Well, 
land was good to, to be on again. I can tell you that much. Then we had a plane trip from Mackay to Brisbane, which I threw up on. Then we had a train from Brisbane to the Gold Coast, which I threw up on. Then we had a limousine transfer from the train station to our hotel room, which I had to ask the driver to pull over, please. <laughs> and uh, yes, well, I didn't have any lunch left to lose. But travel and me do not go together. Do we need any more stories? <laughs> now, I won't tell you about the uh, spirit of Tasmania with my hero in pyjamas. You've probably heard that one already before. But every time I go to travel... I have to pluck up this courage to actually get on that mode of transport. And and, and there's this stress of anxiety that comes upon me that even just just thinking about it just does my head in. Praise God we had two event-free flights to and from Tasmania. That was really good. The first time in a long time that I have travelled. But I tell you what, I feel rotten from the moment that plane starts moving to just after we get off. It's not good. But the stress and, and, and the fears of, of anxiety that come upon me when I have to travel are very real. And I'm sure that there are parts of us, in all of us, where we come across things that and, and circumstances that come our way that causes anxiety amongst us. Have you ever experienced anxiety? Maybe things have been going along like normal at work and all of a sudden you're called into your boss's office and you're told that your hours will be changing and that you won't be required to work as much as you once were. And then there's that stress that comes of how am I going to provide for my family? Or maybe you've recently been to the doctor's and receive some some news about your health and you simply just don't know what this means for you, your family or or for your future. Or maybe you're experiencing anxiety because you're facing change. Change in the home, change at work, change in a dress. It's one of the most stressful things you can do apparently. Change in your health, change in your ability to do what once used to come so easy but now just that little bit harder and maybe even changes here at church. Maybe you're feeling anxiety over the changes that are taking place in your life and you just don't know what the future holds. You're anxious because of an uncertain future. Now there are countless circumstances in our messy lives that cause anxiety amongst us and the stress of anxiety can be crippling. And I want to look into this issue by looking at this passage in Luke's Gospel as we start this brand new series in Luke, which we've titled Jesus' Ministry of Hope. We looked at the birth of Jesus from Luke at Christmas. And today we're going to continue in Luke chapter 2 from verse 41. And we're going to see Mary and Joseph experience the stress of anxiety. We're going to find what the source of anxiety is. And finally we're going to discover the solution to anxiety. So if you've ever felt this stress of anxiety like I do before I ever get on a flight, then I believe God wants to speak to us today. The stress of anxiety. So Mary and Joseph were travelling home from a Passover feast in Jerusalem with all their family. So the whole deal with all this travelling was that all the Jews would journey to Jerusalem from wherever they were at the time of Passover and they would celebrate 
the Passover in Jerusalem together. And Jerusalem would come basically this massive big tent city as millions of Jews from all over descended upon Jerusalem to celebrate this Passover feast together. Now Mary and Joseph were living in Nazareth. And Nazareth is about 150 kilometres north-ish of Jerusalem. If you and I in a car, that'll take around two hours. Right? But walking, it was a good 35-hour walk, as so Gugu tells me. Uh, you know how you do the maps and you do walking? Yeah, about 35 hours. So if you're really pushing it, you could probably do it in three or four days. But you're with your whole family. You're with kids. You're with your aunts and uncles. You're with your neighbours. Because basically your whole town would just pack up and go. And so I reckon it took a little bit longer than, than three or four days to make this journey. Once they got to the, the Passover feast in Jerusalem and did all that, they then packed up and began the journey home. Now, as I said, this was with all the family. This was with all the neighbours. This was a whole a lot of people who had been travelling together. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm sure that, like, if you've ever been around fa- family, you know, it, it gets crazy. Rob, how many people were at your Christmas do? Forty. Forty for lunch on Christmas. That's a bit extreme. But that's nothing compared to what these guys are facing as they had that and more all travelling together. And I'm pretty sure that they didn't use the buddy system because the Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. They lost him. So they travelled an entire day's journey and when they were pitching their tent at night, they were thinking, oh, have we got everyone? Sound off. One, two, three, four, one, one. Where's, where's Jesus? We've lost Jesus. So I'm sure they went over to their neighbours and said, hey, is Jesus with you? No. Hey, Arnie, Arnie Flo, is, is Jesus with you? No. They panic. They search everywhere for Jesus. They can't find him. So then they head back to Jerusalem, an entire day's journey. Yeah, that's, that's uh, exactly what you want to do, isn't it, in a Mediterranean heat. And so then they go and they search around Jerusalem for Jesus. They searched for three days, not knowing where he was, not knowing if he was alive or dead. Can you feel the stress of anxiety that would have been present for these parents having lost their oldest son? I'm sure that you can understand their reaction when they finally found Jesus and said in verse 48, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I can imagine this conversation. I do not think Luke put all the words of this conversation in the Bible. I think he gave us a snapshot summary of what was spoken. Growing up, when my mum would tell me off for things I really did wrong, um, it would never be just one sentence. There would be the long, drawn-out explanation of what I'd done wrong, what I should have done instead, how I'd made her feel, the stress of anxiety that she was covering, that she was going through. Familiar to anyone? 
I can imagine the same sort of conversation taking place here. Mary and Joseph, they felt the stress of anxiety as they had lost Jesus. But not only did Mary and Joseph lose Jesus physically and feel that stress of anxiety, but they lost sight of who Jesus is. Christmas is the time when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We did it just a few weeks ago. Remember the shepherds, the choirs of angels, telling them the new king had been born and, and, and we remember the wise men who travelled from the east following a bright shining star and, and gave awesome gifts to Jesus of gold, frankincense and myrrh, as the Bible tells us, when he was a child. So that's, it was probably two years old when that happened. But let's not dwell on that because we might have to redo our nativity scenes. But Mary and Joseph, they had all of these experiences of angels telling them exactly what was going to happen. And so the Gospel tells us that Jesus' birth is foretold in amazing circumstances. Mary and Joseph, they have this child and, and there are angels and there are shepherds. That was the moment when hope came down. And then wise men, then we skip forward a decade. Twelve years on from his birth, there have been no other angels that we've been told about. There's no more shepherds, no more wise men giving them gifts, no more bright shining stars. You see, Mary and Joseph, they were just ordinary, regular, Jewish, working class people. They were no one special. They weren't priests or scribes. They weren't wealthy. They weren't privileged. They were just ordinary, regular, working class people who were getting on with life after a great occasion a little over a decade earlier. You can imagine what's happening here. As each year went by and life got back to its ordinary pace and the mundane day-to-day life of running a business as a carpenter for Joseph and managing the household and and the, the whole baby factory that was going on with Mary as well. You know, 12 years on, Mary and Joseph had lost sight of who Jesus is. They had lost sight of his true identity. They didn't just lose him physically. They lost sight that he was Emmanuel. He was God with us. He was Messiah, the Saviour of the world. Maybe you, like Mary and Joseph, had amazing experiences, but maybe now have lost sight of Jesus after getting back into normal mundane life. Maybe the amazing experiences you had when you first placed your trust with Jesus has started to fade. Maybe you have lost sight of who Jesus is, just like Joseph and Mary. And you know, right now there might be circumstances in your life which are causing you to be anxious. So where does this anxiety come from? What is the source of anxiety? Well, we've all felt the stress of anxiety in in many situations in our lives. And right now as we're in the midst of this terrible bushfire season, We've had smoke around us for weeks and some of us have even had to evacuate or been told to. We've all felt the stress of anxiety. Where does it come from? 
Well, the root of anxiety is fear. We're afraid of something that has happened or or may happen and it causes us to be anxious. I'm anxious before I get on a flight. You know, I'm really anxious about getting on that spirit Tasmania again. But I really really don't want to throw up. (laughs) I'm afraid of that horrible taste and and going through the horrible experience and, and how long it lingers in my system and how much I'm not bouncing back as quick as I once used to. The source of anxiety is fear. And even for Christians, fear can get a grip on us and can beat us down. And the stress of anxiety can be too much to bear. But I want to ask you why. Why does fear at times conquer us? Well, firstly, we think we're on our own and we forget about Jesus. Mary and Joseph, they forgot about Jesus, who he is, and physically, and, and were searching like mad for three days, completely anxious over what might have happened. They'd lost Jesus, but they'd also forgotten about who he is. And we can so easily forget about Jesus. We can forget about what he's done for us. We can forget the power that we have in him through his indwelling Holy Spirit and the hope that is found in him. And we can forget about Jesus in the middle of our messy lives and we try to do things alone. We end up anxious, we end up worried, we end up in fear. Mary and Joseph forgot who Jesus was. But Jesus reminded them of his true identity. Look down at verse 49. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? He reminds them of his true identity, that he is the Son of God, he is Emmanuel, he is God with us, that what the angels sang about, what the shepherds celebrated, what the wise men and the star came to see was that a new king, yes, was indeed on earth. Jesus was born to save. A new hope had arrived in him, the Messiah. But they had forgotten. And secondly, Sometimes we choose to do it ourselves and forget about Jesus. We make the choice to do it ourselves. And we can fool ourselves into thinking that we can rely on our own talent, on our own abilities and forget about Jesus. We can forget all about his grace in our lives. We can lose sight of Jesus in our everyday normal lives and instead choose to do things our own way in our own strength, in our own wisdom. And how does that go for us? Well, it's a breeding ground for the source and the stress of anxiety. But we are given a glorious solution to anxiety, to turn to Jesus and he will remind you that he is God. Verse 49 again, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house. Jesus reminded them that he is God. And I want to share with you a story about someone who did exactly that. Rachel, when she was in high school, her family moved um, to a new town and this for her seemed to trigger a massive episode of anxiety. 
She'd get a racing heart, she'd get trembling, feeling like she'd go crazy. She'd get suffocating feelings, shortness of breath. She was so concerned, a few of these episodes, that she went to the emergency department feeling like she actually was suffering a heart attack. That often occur at night as she was trying to go to sleep. And she was finally diagnosed with, with, with a panic disorder and, and anxiety and the doctor suggested to put her, put her on medication. As a Christian, Rachel, she believed that she does not have to live in fear and face that fear as something to be defeated because she did some research and she worked out, as we all know, that anxiety and panic disorders were fear-based. She found that many of her fears have been because of a lack of trust in God. And for her, a fear of death was was the, the, the main thing for her. And so she made this decision that she was going to trust in God more. She was going to apply the grace of the gospel to every circumstance and so along with that she was going to make an effort to implement healthy spiritual habits. She was going to develop her relationship with God more. And so she was going to improve that relationship and so she was going to pray more and she was going to, going to hear from God more and read from the scriptures and, and understand him better. And when she came across circumstances of stress and, and anxiety and when she felt that sort of feeling start, she made this conscious decision at that, at that moment to stop, to pray and to meditate on God's goodness and his faithfulness to her and the grace of his gospel. For Rachel, she was able to never have to go on drugs to change her circumstances. For her, that time to spend in prayer and and in, in meditation on God's goodness and faithfulness to her was enough. And I'm not saying that um, that's going to be the case for everyone. What God provided for Rachel was great strength in reminding her of his great strength. She tells that she read Psalm 27.1 and basked in the truth of that scripture, recounting it over and over again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And so Rachel became aware that whether she worried or not, she's got no control over the number of her days. God alone does. And she, to God's goodness, no longer experiences panic attacks or anxiety. Her fear no longer has control of her life as it used to since she has surrendered that control to God and because she knows her future is secure in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that would work for everyone. Some of us may require medication to help us through anxiety or depression and we may require that medication to help restore balance to our brain chemistry. But even still, the important lesson that we can get from Rachel's story is to never lose sight of the hope that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, when we lose sight of the character identity of Jesus Christ, then we too can fall into the trap of anxiety. However, if we still seek Jesus in the mess of our lives, then we, like Rachel, can be reminded of 
his goodness, that he is God. And so right now in those areas of your life where maybe you have forgotten Jesus and where you are anxious, and I encourage you to turn to Jesus and he'll remind you that he is God. He is in control. You know, there is a great hope for our future because God is sovereign and God does have a plan and a purpose for you. If you turn to him, he'll remind you that he is God. That he came to earth as a baby, he grew and lived a blameless life. He performed miracles by the power of God. He restored sight to the blind. He healed the sick. He walked on water. He raised people from the dead and then he died on a tree, making it possible for his blood to cover our sins so that we can have an intimate relationship with our creator God. That's who Jesus is. Don't ever lose sight. Don't ever forget. He is God and he is love. He loves you and he offers himself freely to you. You know, These words from Matthew's Gospel really stand out this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 33. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, I think many of us are familiar with those last couple of verses. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But I reckon most of us miss how connected that is within the context of this passage about not being anxious. When we remember who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and that our salvation is secure in him through the gospel, really, what do we have to be anxious about? We're more valuable to God than a sparrow or a flower. We are his adopted heirs. And so as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, as we remember who Jesus is and the hope of the gospel, we have nothing to be anxious about. And 1 Peter 5, 6-7 also reminds us of God's love and care for us. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God 
so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We can trust in Jesus for our future. There's no need to be anxious about the future as long as we continue to turn to Jesus and are reminded that he is God. Our future is in his hands and that's just one more reason for our hope in Jesus. And so this message today, I believe, is is very timely one for us where we're at right now. Amidst bushfires, amidst our political landscape and amidst the realities of the world in which we live, all of these can cause fear. All of these can cause anxiety and all of this noise can grab our attention and we too could easily lose sight of Jesus if we're not careful. So as I close our service today and as I pray for us, I pray that we would all indeed cast our cares upon him, that we would seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that we would remember the hope that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ and that we would not be anxious but instead be filled with a calm assurance and God's peace that passes all understanding as we remember who Jesus is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for our region right now. In the midst of these bushfires and and the great fear that for, for, for those particularly close have, because they don't know what the future holds. Some bad weather, some wind in the wrong directions and those fires could, could flare up and could, could destroy property and, and lives. And Lord, we pray for your grace. Lord, we pray that you would graciously send, <coughs> send rain that will put these fires out. But Lord, if you do not choose to do that, we pray that Lord, just like that atheist on that beach in Malakuta prayed and gave testimony that only God could have saved them and you did, Lord Jesus, may you be glorified through even these troubling circumstances. May our nation be reminded of who you are. May the people here in the northeast turn to you to overcome their fear and anxiety. And Lord, may we do that continually. May we not forget about you. But Lord, may we in all times and in all circumstances remember your gospel and apply that to our circumstances. I pray that we would cast our cares upon you, that as we seek you first and your righteousness, Lord, you would intervene in those circumstances in our lives and and in our thinking. Give us right thinking. Give us thinking that is in alignment with your thinking. Give us your peace that passes all understanding. We pray right now. Pray also for, for Ken's family who are no doubt struggling with the loss of a father, of a grandfather, 
but Lord, they also know your grace, that you have taken him home, that he is now reunited with his God and with his lovely wife, who he has missed so terribly. Thank you for your grace in all circumstances. Amen.